This is The Blueprint, brought to you by Executive Platforms. Hello everyone, my name is Jeff Mix. I'm the head of content and research for Executive Platforms and host of The Blueprint Podcast. I'm here today with Bart Taloon, Johnson & Johnson's Vice President of Product Supply. As an executive supply chain leader for more than 25 years, Bart has a proven track record of success across several key supply chain functions, including planning, engineering, technology transfers, project management, continuous improvement, manufacturing operations, and general supply chain management in Asia, Europe, and North America. During his career, Bart has managed large supply networks, has acquired and divested operations, has built new plants and also overseen plant closures, and he has developed and executed a three-year consent decree work plan, including the successful recertification of three U.S. OTC manufacturing plants by FDA. In his current role, Bart is responsible for developing and deploying advanced processes and capabilities, agile OT systems, and disruptive technologies to improve the end-to-end -end supply chain performance. Bart is also responsible for the J&J &J Supply Chain Academy to provide enterprise-wide subject matter learning and development programs and build future leadership capabilities for the end-to-end -end supply chain organization. He and his wife live in Skillman, New Jersey, and have two sons in college. As a final addition to this introduction, someone brought to my attention that last September, Bart celebrated his 55th birthday by doing 489 push-ups in 10 minutes, which is about 479 more than I would manage. Bart, thank you so much for joining me here today. Thank you, Jeff. <laughs> so I want to start off by saying you mentioned at our most recent event that you have attended every one of Executive Platform's manufacturing summits and several of our supply chain summits as well. You've attended as a delegate, you have chaired streams of content, and you've given keynote presentations several times. Let me ask you, what is it that keeps you coming back? Yeah, well, Jeff, there are a couple of reasons, right? But the first one I would say is, and I attend a lot of conferences, but I really like your your approach and, and the structure, the setup of the two days, right? So the three work streams around manufacturing strategy, technology, continuous improvement, and then the, a good balance, I think, combination between plenum sessions, breakouts, and time for networking. So, and that is important, right? That there's enough time to digest the information, have networking with with colleagues, and also the the tech providers are there. And I would say also, over the years, you've really, you know, had strike a good balance between, let's say, the tactical manufacturing topics versus the more, the bigger, more strategic uh, picture, right? So that's definitely a, a first and very important reason. The second one is the topics are always relevant and you have good speakers. So every time I pick up new ideas, right? And, and that's, that's what makes it worthwhile to come back. You pick up new ideas, you, you expand your network, you meet new people, you make new contacts. Um, and I said also the, the providers, the suppliers you have there with the boots, the startup companies, that's an interesting ad. So it's kind of the blend of all these things that makes it interesting for me to keep going back. And the last thing I would add is what I really appreciate, you keep growing and uh, your your event right and make it stronger and better every year so that continuous improvement on your program itself is kind of neat so yeah I always look forward it's kind of for me one of the big events of the year on my calendar so yeah that's uh, that's very kind of you to say and uh, you know we certainly appreciate 
hearing it, we, we try to think of ourselves as uh, in a continuous improvement model as well. I mean, when you hear these wonderful, incredible presentations from you know Fortune 500 companies of how they're always looking to every day get a little bit better and, and get input from both the grassroots and, and upstairs and you know apply it so that tomorrow you're just that little bit better. Um, who can yep. hear all that great content and not try to apply it to their own work? <laughs> So with that said, I, I do want to say, you know, you've seen the North American Manufacturing Excellence Summit Series grow and change year over year, and uh, we always want your input as we start putting together the next edition. Um, I hope you will not mind sharing some of your thoughts with our audience as well this time. You know, when you think about our program and our speaker faculty and the event as a whole, what do you want to see in 2020? I, I'm actually at this point, like, this, this is a morning phone call you and I are having, and this afternoon I'm uh, sitting down with our senior staff and we're starting to write an agenda. So it's a perfect time to ask the question, what, what would you like to see in 2020? Well, that's, yeah, so I would say three things. One is continue the evolution, right? So as we talked earlier, over the past particularly three, four years, I would say the event really evolved from manufacturing, tactical, operational focused to become more strategic and more end-to-end, -end, right? So we really start, particularly the past two years, I would say, having more uh, topics and speakers and items on the role of manufacturing and the connection within the end-to-end -end supply chain, right? So up and down with suppliers, with uh, distribution customers, and I think that's something that's my first point in 2020. I think we need to continue to, to mature that, right? That dimension of what is the role of manufacturing in the end-to-end -end supply chain, in the end-to-end value chain, right? To bring more and more value to the business and the customer. Building of that, I think 2020 would be kind of also a nice year, right? 2020 to start evolving into the next phase of becoming really, I, I would call it visionary, right? And focusing on on the, the real big picture, right? The global trends and disruptors and what the implications are for manufacturers. So really that start painting and bringing to life that visionary picture of what is the future of manufacturing in the context of those global disruptors actually, right? So yes, there is the tech revolution industry 4.0 that has all the geopolitical tensions that are going on, right? The climate change, um, the economic uncertainties, right? The cross-border trade issues with the emergence. So, we'll, so within that global context, right? What will be the role of manufacturing? What will that future look like, right? And then the third um, element is I believe we need to start focusing more and more, and it could be even a separate work stream on, on, on leadership, right? What is the role of manufacturing leadership, the culture, how will we work in the future, right? The people, the skills, the capabilities. So all of that, I think, is, is a very, very critical enabler, and it is weaved into, particularly in the continuous improvement work stream, there was Kind of always a topic around capability and skills, but I think we need to beef it up and position it really as a strategic uh, element. Because when we talk about how manufacture, manufacturing connects and drives the end-to-end -end supply chain value creation, how manufacturing will continue to be a critical economical force, right, in that, in that new world, right, looking at all these trends and disruptors, that component around leadership, the culture, the behaviors, the skills 
is is a very important topic, right? What is the future of work in all of that new context? So these are kind of the three things which I would like to see shaping up uh, in the 2020 agenda. Absolutely, and and thank you very much for uh, for that input. I, I when I'm writing my uh, thoughts into the agenda. I always try to keep in mind that the audience, they come from all kinds of different organizations and, and what is the universal that connects them all? Because there's no sense getting someone getting up there and, you know, this is how I make orange juice and everyone in the room, you know, tries to take some lesson away from, well, he makes orange juice and I make light bulbs. So where's the common thread? But leadership is across all platforms, a, a universal thing that no one got to be in that audience without becoming a leader in their organization. So I, I think it's a great insight. Maybe it becomes a whole new stream of content, or at the very least, it's something that we can coach our presenter, uh, presenters to think more about when they're putting together uh, their sessions. So with that said, I, yeah. I, I do want to, I do want to move on into my, my next question. Uh, you know, we're talking about our audiences. One of the things I've often heard from our audiences, especially at our manufacturing event, is how difficult it is to talk about big picture topics and universal issues that are relevant to everyone while also making the presentation about specific examples and case studies. Uh, some presentations feel a little theoretical. And uh, even though the speaker is someone who oversees huge portions of the business uh, that is doing very real work all day, every day, no one has ever said any of this about your presentation. So I am curious if you have any thoughts about how executive platforms can better recruit, prepare, and encourage our speakers to share some more tactical level content while they are talking about their strategies. Yeah, uh, it, it is indeed an important um, reflection. And I would say, Jeff, if you think about how probably the, the, the event will evolve with these three components and in the future, right? The the tactical, operational, the strategic from a manufacturing and, you know, within the supply chain, right, perspective. And then how will, what is really the future of manufacturing in the broader global context, socioeconomical context? I believe in the future, it will be even more difficult to have speakers that can address all three of the, these three things uh, and it, equally good, let's say, right? Um, mm. So we probably, reflecting on that, it's probably, you know, it, it's definitely hard to find speakers that, that can cover the, the three dimensions equally good and with the same, you know, knowledge. But so I, it's probably, you know, um, it's okay to me if, you know, if for tactical topics you have speakers that are really good at that and for the strategic topics you have people that really can talk well and bring to life how that strategic role of manufacturing pans out. And But, um, but going back to your specific question, how to kind of weave strategic and tactical together in one presentation, um, one of the reasons I believe that I that I'm pretty good at that is that I've, I've been in both sides of the world, right? So I've run operational, uh, been in operational roles. I've run big organizations in the day to day, but I've also been in strategic roles. So leaders that have been in both dimensions of the business, the strategic business side of it, and then the sorry, the operational business side of it, and the strategic strategy office kind of the organization, the staff functions, these are typically the people that are able to, to bring the two together, right? People that have always run plans and always been in that tactical operational world, 
yet it's hard for them, right, to tie it back to the strategic level. And the other way around, people that always have been in staff functions and strategy roles but never run a business um, and live through, have the scars on their back, the same problem, right? So that's definitely a fact, in my opinion. The people that can really weave both elements in one presentation are the people that have gone back and forth a couple of times in those two worlds, like me, and there are others. But again, I think the more we want to be good and, and rock solid in the three dimensions, it, it may evolve into a differentiation of speakers. And I think that's, that's okay too. Um, it's about the quality of the presentation that it meets the intent and expectation of the topic, right? And if it's a tactical topic, right? Or it's a strategic topic. But you're right for the strategic topics. It is important that these presenters can bring it to life, right? Make it real. That is true. Oh, thank you again. And I, I think I take your meaning. Uh, when we're doing our speaking recruitment, we should have the conversation with them. You know, is this going to be predominantly a strategic session or predominantly a tactical? Are you going to do both? And uh, maybe it's as simple as just labeling that on the agenda so that when people are selecting which stream of content they want to sit in on, no, I'm looking for tactical case studies. Well, they're clearly marked. I think that's a great idea. Then you set the expectations with the audience. You're clear with the speaker. I think that's a great idea. No, thank you very much. I, I, I'm actually going to move the, uh, forward with that. That'll be one of the things that we're going to try to do for 2020 for sure. Yeah, so I, yeah. I, I do want to move on to my next question because we're we're talking about you know what people expect and and how they're communicating. And you know I know Johnson and Johnson is doing some amazing things to build capabilities into their manufacturing and supply chain operations. And you've shared some of that with our audience over the years. You know who do you benchmark against when J and J is in the midst of these big changes? You know who do you look for for ideas or or try to learn from their experiences? This is a, a very important question, right? Because in my opinion, successful organizations are the organizations that are equally focused on continuous innovation and renewal, right? Versus also, of course, uh, focused on continuous improvement of the day-to-day -day deliverables, right? Uh, the service, the cost, the quality. So that marry, marrying those two things i think is is the success of is the secret of the big companies that are successful over decades right and, and garner calls that the mold two and the mold one right how are you weekly focused on the innovation world as you are on the continuous improvement so i believe we have a good formula here to do that and we we call it our capability and solution funnel and actually, I, I presented and clarified that concept in my last presentation in April uh, on the NAMES 2019 conference. So what we basically do is it's a three-step process. And we, we look at this like a product R&D pipeline, right? So we scout and source new ideas and solutions. Then when we have a proof of concept and a value case, we test them out in the real world, right, to prove or validate they work in the real world, what is the specific value they they bring, and then we scale and deploy them where they add value in the business through our JGPS and JGOS standard operating models. So that's kind of the three-step process. And for each of the three steps, we kind of have dedicated teams because that it requires different 
capabilities, right? Whether you are kind of an innovator, a, a sculptor of technologies, it's a different thing than you run a day-to-day -day business. So we have clear different differentiation and capabilities. We have clear stage gating criteria, how things flow through that funnel, um, and also a robust governance holistically around that. So that's kind of the overall um, funnel, capability and solution funnel uh, process. Now, coming back on the first step, which was your question, the scouting and the sourcing of new ideas, we have dedicated teams that, that go after this. And these teams look equally on innovation, new ideas from a people perspective, right? And I gave the example of uh, our learning and education programs. How do we innovate in that space with new modalities and methodologies? It is equally focused on on the on the process part, right? And that's our typical GNG production system, GNG operating system, right? And the technology component. So we do that innovation, that scouting, that sourcing of new approaches, new ideas, from a people perspective, from a, a process and a technology perspective. So all the performance levers, not only technology. That's one. Those teams are really expected to be up to date with the latest and the greatest in that space. So they are, in a lot of cases, even co-located in those innovation hubs, particularly from a technology perspective. So they work with academia, leading academia. They work with tech providers. They work with other industry. So in each of those aspects, we have other industry we work with, right in, in the learning education space, right? We look at companies like for leadership programs like GE, et cetera, like, like a Disney, right? So 3M, um, you know, from a, a process improvement perspective, yes, we have our own, and, and names as an important source for us, right? The Donahers and the likes, uh, the PNGs, et cetera. And from a technology perspective, yeah, we work a lot with other industry, automotive, aerospace, for example, where we can learn a lot of, for example, with regard to adaptive process control or 3D printing. So it's a blend between academia, tech providers and industry, but it's holistically. We want to look everywhere across that ecosystem, tap into the new ideas, bring them to a proof of concept or kill them, and then we push them through the funnel, right? Well, it's more a pull because at the back, right, it needs to add business value. So we, we try to balance that push versus pull Right? We start from the business needs and that directs where we should innovate and then we bring solutions through the funnel through a, a structured robust um, governance process and stage gating process. So that's, that's how we approach it and we've kind of tested out this concept two, three years ago and, and built that muscle, I would say, um, that capability engine in the technology space. And over the past 12, 18 months, we're expanding that same concept and approach in the other areas of, let's say, of the performance levers, right? The people aspects, the process aspects, to make it a holistic capability engine. That's why I call it a, it's a capability uh, solution funnel, right? Um, that's our approach. Well, thank you very much. Uh, yeah, that's, that's very clear. And uh, I'm so pleased that names is part of that a small part of that uh, that conversation 
Uh, I'd also like to thank you just for your, your inputs up to this point across the whole thing. Uh, as we are putting together our 2020 agenda, this is exactly the kind of input we want to get. And, uh, you know, it's it's interesting to hear even leaders at the top of their game have other people and organizations that they admire, that they're, they're working with uh, as you look to find solutions to your problems, to improve what you're doing. Um, so with all that said, and I know we've already covered a lot of ground in our conversation so far, but I do want to close with a, a few quick questions that I plan to ask every executive who speaks on this podcast. Um, these questions are for our listening audience, you know, some of whom may be at your seniority level, but I expect a lot of them will be at an earlier stage in their careers. And we want to know a little bit more about you and also give people a sense of how you got to where you are today. So these questions are meant to be just quick one or two sentence answers. Just respond with the first top of mind thing that comes to you. Uh, are you ready? Yeah. All right, so I am ready. <laughs> first question. <laughs> when you were young, what did you want to be when you grew up? I wanted to be an engineer and and the reason why was that idea to me, right? That idea of building and shaping things that help society and economy that that economy that was really the thing that attracted me, right? That I wanted to do that, right? Okay. When did you realize you were going to take the path that led you to where you are today? That was an interesting question. That's an interesting question, right? And honestly, there's not really one distinct moment in time. I would say it was like, it was more like a continuum, right? I always followed my ambition and it started with when I was young, right? I want to be an engineer. I want to build and shape things that help society and economies. It was all of that, right? I followed my ambitions and I always wanted to make a lasting difference, right? I wanted to leave a legacy. I want to to make a difference in whatever I did. And I followed that, I wouldn't say instinct, that ambition, because it was purposeful. And Great. that brought me to where I am today. What is the best job you have ever had and why? I've done a lot of great jobs, but the one I would call out if you ask for one, it's when I was leading the end-to-end -end supply chain organization for our consumer business in Asia Pacific. So it was end-to-end, -end, right? New product introduction, procurement, manufacturing, distribution. And there were three reasons, right? One was the opportunities and customer impact we've made, right? So um, it was a very dynamic growing environment, double-digit business growth year over year. So it's very dynamic, exciting and, and and motivating environment and the, the, the impact we made for, for the business and the customer was huge. So as supply chain being the driver of all that was, was really very, very, very exciting. The other one is also on a personal note. So I was there with my family, I lived there four years and we have really as a family traveled a lot in the region, explored nature, but also learned the new cultures, right? So really loved the culture in Asia and the diversity of the region, right? I mean, we are based in Singapore, but J Japan, Korea, right, is different than Australia, right? It's different than Thailand, Malaysia. So the diversity of the cultures um, and also nature was, was really fascinating and the city. So also the personal note, we, we reflect back on this, this, uh, these years as a family. We always with very positive uh, memories. Oh, that's beautiful. So my last question is actually going to be about... Uh family and making time for personal things. I got one more before I get there, though, but uh, I, I'm, I'm betting we're going to expand upon that. Uh, so the next question that I've got here is, what is a piece of advice you would give to someone in their early or mid-20s who hopes to work towards some of the goals you have achieved? 
Yeah, I would say it's three things. Um, first one is, and a very important is, define your purpose, right? In life and purpose of your career. What is your dream? What is your aspiration, right? What is your legacy? And that should drive everything. Once you're clear on that, be determined, don't give up, work hard, be resilient to achieve that goal, that dream. So the passion, the willpower is critical, right? Because always hurdles down the road, but you need to fight through them. And uh, the third element is push yourself to continuously grow and learn new things, right? So at the end, we are what we are as an aggregate of the experiences we live through. So it really requires your, to push yourself outside your comfort zone. So I would say every five to seven years, we need to push ourselves into the unknown. I talked about my Asia experience. I came from Europe. So push yourself out there to learn something new, accelerate your growth. Because honestly, yes, we're always tended to stay in our comfort zone and, and it's, it's comfortable, right? But in the long term, it limits your growth, right? So you need to move on. Um, and I think that's what, what will make you grow um, as a leader and as a person. And realize that it's a never-ending journey, right? It's not a destiny. You're never there. You need to continue to evolve and grow. And I want to close this section with my motto that illustrates all of that, right? My personal life motto is believe in the impossible. You can achieve your dreams and your goals if you want it badly enough. It's all about willpower. Be clear on what you want and be determined to get there. Fantastic. Uh, and my last question. Um, so many people struggle to find that balance between their working life and their personal lives. Tell us one thing that you always make time for, even when it feels like you have no time to spare. Well, of course, I've been always busy, a lot of travel and all of that, but I can say throughout those 25 years, when it, it was critical, my family always came first. So when my family needed me, my wife or my two sons, I have been there and I will always be there. And they know that, right? So you have a lot of time that I'm away, but on these moments, I will be there. And there has been occasions where of course, you had to change your plans, but that I think is 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 important for me, and I think it's important for for your loved ones, right? That they know when they need you, you'll be there, right? Um, I make it happen. That's that's very important. Absolutely. So, Bart, thank you again so much for your time and your insights. You know, I look forward to seeing you next time. And for everyone listening, I've been Jeff Mix, and this has been the Blueprint Podcast. Thank you for joining us. 